Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Mike Munzenreiner and Patrick Pagongo to talk about the street appeal of Jimmy Wilkins' vert skating and Jerry Sue's sci-fi fantasy-focused piece for Village Psychic. Rio recently welcomed Jimmy Wilkins to the team, their first vert pro since Max Schaff, maybe? Jimmy is the rare breed of vert skater that even street skaters can get behind. Patrick, what is it about Jimmy's skating that gives it that street appeal? Swag, 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 swag. He skates vert like he's skating a mini ramp, and his fits aren't bad either. I think the other thing is, too, is that because he does a lot of tricks with no hands, no grabs, uh, it just looks better. It looks floaty. There's something about it that just makes you hype. And then, you know, there was a couple Instagram edits of him. You know, his vert skating is uh, edited to hip hop, and it just it just felt and looked right. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago when we had talked about uh, one of those Instagram edits that even without music, his skating is rhythmic. It, there's something about it. There's a pulse. There's a beat to it. And I mean, the the ramp is rhythmic. You know, like you got those two walls, and you're you're like set in your in your rhythm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, proceed. <laughs> but there's there's something about it. Like there's there's something about it. I, he has that something. He has the je ne sais quoi. He has the touch. He has he has that special something that makes people pay attention to his style of vert skating. Which I wish there'd been more vert skating like this in the 1990s. Because maybe. Maybe Vert wouldn't have had to be carried by Danny and Colin, Taz, Pop, Taz and Ben Pappas, Tony Hawk, obviously, Bucky Lasek. You know, imagine if, you know, everybody skated like this. Then again, Alfonso Rawls skated like this, but he ended up skating a lot more street in the 90s because that's where the culture was. Uh, Mike Templeton, what did y'all think? I mean, I, I agree on the tempo or something. Um, I always go back to like JB Gillette with the same idea where, you know, without a Vert ramp, JB still seems to have this kind of pace of his skating between the tricks, the duration of his grinds, the way he pushes when he pushes. That is just kind of a difficult thing to pin down. But when you see it, you know it. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, yeah, Jimmy Wilkins is doing something similar, even though he's on like the metronome, like wall to wall tempo of the vert ramp. And yeah, I agree with you, Patrick. Not grabbing appeals to street skaters. Um, I think he's just got a better style, not a better style. It's a style that appeals to more street minded people. And I know Templeton, I'm kind of biting you, but I wholly agree that it's in the vein of, um, more lip oriented guys, though. They could obviously do a bunch of shit like Mike Frazier, Paul Zitzer, Colin McKay, where in a way they look like street skaters on a vert ramp. They're like Jimmy Wilkins lanky and kind of long but like cool body positioning so he's not exactly of that same type as the skaters i just mentioned um templeton where do you fall on all this yeah like i i was just thinking about jimmy wilkins as like treating the lip like a ledge and i was thinking about like colin mckay with the like you know he would do like back back tail kick flip out or like nollie flip back tail like really tech shit and Jimmy Wilkins isn't really taking it quite that far, you know, like he's not doing like flip in, flip out shit, but like the over-rotated backside 180 to switch front crook, sugar cane, shove it out. That was pretty wild. Yeah, it's it's like kind of street oriented. And also I think he doesn't spin a lot. Like to me, if you spin more than 540, it's just kind of like wasted effort to just like, I don't know, you're just spinning a lot. But I think as no a street- shit. Yeah, yeah, it's just snowboard shit. Just, like, spinning to, like, run up the numbers. But, like, as a street skater, like, I can identify with a big-ass backside ollie and, like, be like, I want to do that. Or, like, I want to know what that feeling is. Because, like, I know what doing a backside 180 down five stairs feels like, and that feels pretty good. But, like, imagine doing it, you know, 10 feet in the air, 12 feet across the ramp. Like, that must feel fucking amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you, you touched upon something, Templeton, by talking about too many spins. Do you think the quest for 720s and then 900s kind of made vert skating feel sort of like, oh, God, this, like you said, it's snowboard shit. Like, you're like I don't care. I, re- I have no interest in watching this. Like, what is it about that type of skating that can be difficult to maintain your attention? Because, you know, we all absolutely respect how difficult it is and how much... I mean, we all saw the Tony Hawk documentary. Man, this is 50 I plus. I still haven't watched it. <laughs> and the way that he slams, you have, to, you have to put your body through a lot to be able to do, you know, a 540. 
So to put in all that work to do a 720 or even a 900 or, or above that, my goodness, just weird. But anyway, back to the point that I'm trying to make here. Do you think that that kind of a, is a, just a big turnoff to street skaters that we just feel like, oh, whatever, this is that shred narble? Yeah, I, I think the spins is kind of like, you know, it's like, why did you climb that mountain? Because it was there. It's like, why did you do a 720? Because it's like, well, nobody ever done a 720 or like, that's why I did a 900. Because nobody ever done a 900. It's like just a pursuit of like that next piece of progress, you know, the next 180 degree spin. Oh, so do you think that that so very similar, like uh, continuing on that Mount Everest metaphor? Um, you've probably heard about the, the infamous 1996 disaster where a whole bunch of people died on the mountain during a, a blizzard, a freak storm, basically, because too many people trying to climb the mountain, too many people glory chasing. There was this one guy who he had gone back several times and he ended up losing, his, I think, one of his hands, his nose. I mean, my, like th- it destroyed him. He, he should have died on the mountain. And, you know, a lot of observers of uh, folks who are trying to climb what are called the 8,000s, you know, mountains that are over 8,000 meters tall, that uh, it's not in the old spirit of mountaineering. A lot of people, it's thrill seekers. It's like big uh, monster energy, I'm extreme dude kind of energy, you know, that there's not as much of an understanding of the challenge and the, the, the serenity of it. They're just up there for the, you know, honestly, now for the likes. Yeah, I mean, it's big game hunting. We've talked about that before. Like, you know, you want to put your name on the list of people who've summited Mount Everest or who spun a 1080 or whatever, you know, small group of people you want to be in the company of. Well, I mean, I'll jump in on the, on the Everest idea where, you know, you hear about it nowadays and there's like a line to get up the a ladder or something, you know, it's just kind of a watered down experience. And I think that applies to, I don't know, the 1080 in skateboarding was no celebrated feat because I don't know, Someone did it on a big old ramp, a Mitchie Brusco type, all due respect to uh, MB. I don't know if it's him or not, but, uh, you know, and then another kid did it and then another kid did it. And I think it's kind of the like like the big spins squatted out across the flat bottom are the realm of like 13 year olds anymore. And so I think a course correction, you know, to really good looking. What does Jimmy Wilkins do? I forget the first trick. He does the 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 question mark controversial question mark uh, pivot in the flat bottom, and then he does a fakey to fakey five forty tail grab, and like that just looks great. I will speak in defense of the big spins. I do no, that's the wrong word to use. The uh, higher numerical spins, the more spins of the axis. Uh, I'm down for a seven twenty that can look good, and even the nine hundred is at least comprehensible. Like you can tell what's going on with like the classic Tony Hawk. Can you call it a McTwist 900, Mute 900? Like you can get that. You start spinning more, you get into the snowboard shit realm where you don't know what stance they are and then they just fucking spin forever. Like, no, uh, full stop. Are, yeah. we basically, are we basically saying that we hate Vert? Because <laughs> I don't want to yeah. give that message out. No, I mean, I, I, I push back on the idea of like, that we've got this new crop of skaters. I feel like skating probably because of the park influence where we've watched just a lot more transition skating than anybody was really willing to do back at a certain point, probably 1990s point. Like we're way more open to it. And I think like the skater public at large has changed more than the skaters themselves. Cause if you look back on the stuff that um, the guys we've already listed, but Shit, even your Mike Crumbs of the world who, you know, did a no-grab nollie heel to fakie over coping on a vert ramp. Like, that's insane. I think a lot of this stuff, 1995, let's say, to 2005 is overlooked because we were just not interested in it for whatever reason. Like, there's a lot of insane vert skating that happened. And I think when it crops up on Instagram, we're like, damn, that's so sick. When, whoa, I watched that a thousand times or fast forward. Right, that was in 41117 and like, you know, Mike Frazier did like a half cab front blunt and looked really sick or whatever. And right. Yeah. It was just like, Oh, that's kind of cool. But get, let me see Costin. <laughs> oh, hard hitting question. Then if you had to choose one, Danny or Colin, Colin, it's easy. Yeah. I'm going to say Colin, Colin. All right. Next question. <laughs> easy. <laughs> um, what'd you guys think of the street skaters in, in Jimmy Wilkins part? I thought it was a nice touch. It's a nice welcome video. Like it, it, it just like what a power move for Jimmy Wilkins because he was previously on Creature, right? I have no idea. 
I really don't know. I'm not sure. Um, like that's definitely a come up. I know that there's uh, a couple folks have either retired from Real or have moved over onto working um, over at Deluxe. So there was definitely some space in the roster. And you know, like I actually, I I actually really like Max uh, Max Schaff's part in um, FTC joint because he skated to FTC two because he skated to Love, um, and he was also skating the the ramp that was painted by Gons and. It's just I actually really enjoy reading interviews with him and just like his tales of Oakland back in the day and uh, having that ramp and I, I even wonder what happened to those two kids who used to hang out with him Onio and Clem they used to post up like they were always there they were in the Spitfire video so it's it's dope that there's somebody who's full time vert skating back on real is there is there a decent amount of street footage of Jimmy or or any I don't know that I've ever seen it I don't think I want to see any I think there was some Instagram stuff that cropped up. And I mean, look at his like kickflip flash and roll, like kickflip frontside rock and roll slide. Like he's proficient. Yeah, I I'm feel sure. like there was a clip on the street stuff at Birdman's ramp. I I feel like like I I really don't like it when park skaters skate. They like throw in some street tricks. It feels like shit. The boss said I gotta have some street tricks in here, so I'm gonna like do a you know feeble grind uh seat belt grab down this big mellow handrail and like gonna i don't know kickflip backside tailside some little ledge or something like it just all feels like like checking stuff off a list or something just just like stay in your lane and do shit that that you like you know like play the hits so i don't think the vert skaters have been burdened with that as much as the park guys i yeah i, I think you're right like what's his name on chocolate? Why am I blanking on his name? Did he he had like three clips in the latest chocolate video? Oh, is he one of the Raven. trunk boys? Raven. Raven. Trunk boys are I think trunk boys have been disbanded, but yeah, Raven has like you know he gets a good bowl clip and then they force him to skate a bump to bar. Like <laughs> no, <laughs> don't. Why Rick Howard's not making that call? I hope not. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to skate some street. Look at me. I'm skating the bump to bar. I'm doing the. Bump I think to he bar. did a pop shove it. It was cool, I, yeah. I think it was a pop shove it, which is like, damn respect. But so, it's weird. <laughs> so why didn't okay? So why didn't Danny and Collins ATV style skating? become the norm for vert skaters why didn't we as a culture demand i was like look if you're gonna skate vert you better do some nice shit on street too because that's so hard they did it just they're danny and colin they're they're <laughs> yeah they're better than names, everybody else you know? they're they're just like i mean even even like a paul zitzer where probably less appreciated in a lot of ways but i mean incredible ramp skater and then if you you catch his clips on instagram he's got to be late 40s but he's still so goddamn good and like just looks good on street fakie mm-hmm. 50 ledge at full speed or trying to think what what clip i'm thinking of fakie backside nose grind oh yeah ledge he, full speed he you had know, a bunch just, of street oh go on sorry oh no he's just very still very proficient at skating street and then can pad up and skate this like it's got to be 13 foot deep thing in louisville kentucky that you know, it's like graffitied out and I'm trying to think how I can even like make, you know, how I can see the difference between like the ramp and the sky and everything else. He's, he's a damn good skater. I think, I think the guys that were able to do both are just incredibly skilled and they're the uh, exception to the rule. That's interesting because I was just thinking about Paul Zitzer. He had, um, I want to say, was it a profile in best of 411 volume two? So I, I forget which, uh, individual volume it was in, but it, that issue was good. ten. Yep, issue ten. Yeah, and he's skating First to um, what is it? Um, Alcoholics yes. let it all out. Oh, four one one in his in the actual four one one. Okay, because in the the best stuff he's skating to, it's like one of those uh, punk rock covers of uh, Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. You know, like one of those things that probably end up like on a punkorama uh, compilation, something like that. Maybe with, I can hear it. Yeah. yeah. You know, someone who's like, for once, is not singing like, oh, I got my skateboard and my girlfriend, you know, one of them bands. <laughs> but OK, but back to, um, you know, thinking about this, framing this against the Olympics, there was, was it Park and Street were the competitions? Goodness, this feels like ages ago and it was only a year, right? It was Park and air quotes around both Park and Street for the Olympics. Why was there no vert competition in the Olympics? I don't know, but it makes no sense because park skating is like, all, like, almost as boring as street skating it's like almost all <laughs> setup tricks you know 
like super dull. Like vert, yeah. vert skating is actual like real excitement every wall. Oh yeah. Like there's some gnarly shit. Like people can put together runs where there's like not really any setup tricks. So oh, like, yeah. show us that. And it's like night it's it's very telegenic because it's just you know dude's going to do a trick on this wall and that wall. So you can set up the cameras real good mm-hmm. for that. And and then on top of it there's something I mean obviously there was basically no crowd participation, no crowd period in most of the skate competition. Can you imagine Olympic skateboarding, vert ramp, and you know, somebody going out there and deciding like I'm gonna go and do an NBD right now, like Tony Hawk did for the X Games many years. Like people would go nuts for that. That that would make for a great sports moment. You know, instead, you know, we got this sort of like, you know, looking back on it now with like a year behind us, there was something about it just like it was skateboarding, but not really. I mean, put the damn vert ramp in like an amphitheater terror dome. Like, how sick would that be? You could have people so close and just have like nets. Oh, like a very steep amphitheater type setting on both sides. It'd be, uh, that'd be some excellence. Oh, that'd be, that'd be amazing. I mean, what, the next Olympics is going to be in Paris. After that is going to be Los Angeles. You just get a nice big vert mm-hmm. ramp, put it right along the Seine, Eiffel Tower right there. Oh my goodness, that's great TV. And then, you know what? Scrap the other shit. Get a nice slalom course. Whoever can enter that can enter that. And then a, a mellow street course, maybe a car, launch ramps. Oh, yeah. That, that'd make for, that'd be, that would make for great television. But, yo, you know what would be amazing is Olympic downhill. Olympic hill bombing. Yeah, that, that would be sick. <laughs> just, just straight up long borders with, like, the mm. like slidey hand things. I think that would be more interesting than than street skating i think people it's like there's so many just little fiddly details like oh that was switch where like most people don't don't get that like i barely even understand switch or like notice switch i'm just like these guys are just good bad tv yeah Yeah. very bad tv what you know what you need just get the folks who organize a dime glory challenge to do all the programming and setup for the olympics that'll be some must-see tv Hey man, I I talked to Phil from Dime for a QS piece. Like I've got his number. Olympics, if you're listening, I've got Phil's number. Phil yeah, I don't I don't I don't know how to say his say the Fran- Francophile last name. So I'm trying to bury that. <laughs> um, Patrick, you wrote down that the uh, the pivot on the flat ground of the vert ramp into the fakey 540 tail grab was controversial. I don't I don't know if I saw that. What? what do you think it was controversial? What, no. Where are we on this? I don't think it was controversial at all, but it definitely blew up in a couple of my DMs and in group chats about skating. Um, I thought it was cool. I, I mean, I just like, it was just a nonchalant. It didn't feel like uh, it was forced, you know? And I guess also at that speed, like there's a, have you, either of you ever tried to, have either of you ever skated and tried to do just like a little something on the flat and just like the board shoots up into the air? You're like, well, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, I, my best vert trick is a drop in. So I, I couldn't really imagine coming in with all that speed and then doing, doing a little shuffle in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then doing a Biggie 540 after that. You know, he's got half the setup time that you would for a normal trick. Yeah. He did like a, a kickflip something or other, turning backside. Wait, I don't remember which. Was it a kickflip melon frontside? Then he shuffles, but then he... He shuffles one way and then spins the other way in the 540. I mean, it's just oh, very realize that. difficult, like, right? Like, because he didn't he didn't slide a backside power slide because that would be true madness. Yeah, jeez, hey, that's like that's madman. Oh, Diary that would be madman. That'd be the, that's like uh, that reminds me of like those um, what those edits that trends will you suppose in New York Times? You could just picture somebody like pushing down a hill real, hill real fast and just like. Uh, Backside power slide goes and sets up to some trick. You're like, how? How do you maintain that kind of control? It's good. And um, by his pro. And, and then also another question is, what did y'all think of uh, his use of Elliot Smith? Which I don't think there's been too many videos with Elliot Smith music since uh, Dylan Reader. And even that was there was a bit of a cloud over that, if only because you know Dylan admits that it wasn't his favorite part and he wasn't at his best. I love that song that Dylan skated to, and yeah, it's not his best part. <laughs> I, I I have no further take on Jimmy Wilkins. I think it it was it worked with the edit. Yeah, I thought the music worked. I, I it was yeah, it was fine. It wasn't like OMG, but also it wasn't bad. I, I liked it. I was like, oh, is this Elliot Smith? And it turns out it was. I'd like to see him skate to some rap music. 
What rap music, I don't know. Because um, I don't think I've seen a vert edit to whatever the kids are listening to now in this post-SoundCloud rap era. Do, you, do y'all think that could work? Try not to be old heads now. I, I think the right person can make anything work. I could see like Oski maybe could could maybe pull it off. Oski should just skate vert, by the way. Yeah, I feel like a lot of those park dudes could be cooler or more interesting if they just skated vert instead of just, you know, as I said before, doing a lot of setup tricks. See, but they're I, cool. I, but they I, would... dis- <laughs> I disagree, Templeton. Really? <laughs> I feel like they All could right, bring they... the cool to vert. <laughs> Do you think they, they just couldn't hang? They don't got the spins and the flips? It's a completely different skill set, I feel like. Like being able to flow around wall into a good grind and, you know, do some errors here and there. But like, I just feel like it's using a, a completely different set of brain cells or different set of skills, which I just said. Yeah, you're probably right. Because I'm thinking about like who who kind of crosses over between like who's like a ripping vert skater who's also a ripping park skater. And it's like, like Bucky LASIK is kind of the only one I can think of, and Bob Burnquist too, I guess. Like who? Yeah, can go around the corners and stuff. I mean, there's yeah, there's no reason that I guess I I, I guess I just put the bird skaters in a different echelon, a higher echelon of skill, where it's like that endurance and that ability to like really string together difficult stuff. That said, of course, you know, being able to flow and do different sizes of ramp, different walls, round wall, straight wall, weird wall, oververt, you know, all that, maybe some pool coping. Like that's it. Again, it's just a different skill set, but I, I think I, in my brain, the vert stuff's harder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Suggestion for the Olympics. You take out one of those park street, whatever, replace it with a pool. Just a straight up backyard pool. Backyard pool. I think that would probably be the least impressive because a backyard <laughs> pool is like, really hard to skate you know like right <laughs> oh even those skate park pools man those are ridiculously hard to skate like terrifying you can't drop in you can't drop in if you're i don't i mean i feel like i'm a semi-accomplished ramp skater of a certain height like i can't drop in on the shallow end i don't want to drop in on the shallow end of those because i'll like slam twice and i'll maybe make it and i've got no speed i'm like i'm gonna just run out of here mm-hmm. it's done. one of those like i put in all this work to just get a, a decent drop in and carve around the corner and i'm just tired yeah those those skate park pools are not built for uh built for guys like us yeah they're not, not for the casuals you know? <laughs> maybe not. we're not built for the skate park pools what about a mellow one you know like a mellow a mellow pool well that would be fun but then it yeah, it gets away from the true poolness. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, one more thing about Jimmy Wilkins. Um, he's on real. He's pro for real. What's next for Homeboy? What, like, you know, I don't follow contests as well as I should. Like, are there even, like, cool vert contests that he should be entering and, and getting money? Because I know that was that was a thing when we were all teenagers is that, you know, say what you want about vert. They were getting those checks. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I, I, don't, I don't know that there's a bunch of big vert contests like there used to be i think all the all those sit up trick park guys are taking those the vert money <laughs> okay so like there's no like hard rock series or something like like you know monster i don't know maybe there <laughs> might be, gotta be a, there's got to be a do tour contest there's got to be i don't know fox sports or bally sports or whatever it's called now wherever anybody <laughs> lives like i'm sure there you know you, you you turn it on at 8 p.m on like an august night in the true dead zone of sports, no due respect to baseball. And, uh, you know, you, you'll see random vert contests that you didn't know were happening in, like, Virginia Beach or something. Yeah, I, I guess they got to have something for when the world's strongest man competition is off season. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, he's going to keep putting out cool edits. Uh, I reckon another video part will come out. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll be blessed with a, a, a real full-length joint. But, um, yeah, that, that's weird. Like, it, it feels weird not to be able to just instantly recall, like, oh, what are the, the big vert competitions that come up? I don't know. Maybe that's more on skateboarding than on us. I, I think it's just on the way the world works now where we, I don't know, like, even the Copenhagen, 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 gosh, I can't talk, Copenhagen Open, like, what is the big actual contest there? You know, we, we, we saw a million different clips on Instagram. By the way, don't need to see like a trick done where then the skater is consumed by like a crowd of people. Could we back everybody up or could we just get a different format? But that said, like, 
I don't know what the main event in Copenhagen is. And so, I don't know, the idea that I don't know what the other contests or bowl contests or whatever that are going on, like, I'm not shocked. It's just, you know, the focus is so different anymore. Yeah, I mean, we're we're not looking, we're not checking for it. And, you know, they're not coming into where we're looking. I, I guess not. They're just, they're just something sort of sad about that. But then you have to wonder... Does the kind of uh did that kind of thing peak with say uh you know the Tony Hawk Boom Boom Huck Jam where it's not just vert skating it's everything it's motocross like it's a full sensory overload of extreme um and it feels like now just a regular vert competition would pale in comparison It'd almost be boring yeah I don't know I mean it, it probably peaked with the 900 you know Tony Hawk like does the NBD in front of all the fans live television whatever you know can't it just can't get any better than that so. It fizzled, I think. Dang. Went Tony, to Hawk, a, I, Tony Hawk I was killed at bird a boom, skating? Yeah, I don't know. I, w- I was at a Boom Boom Huck... huck oh, that's hard to say, evidently, on a podcast. Boom Boom Huck Jam. Let's guess 2004 XL Energy Center, St. Paul, Minnesota. I was there. Um, it's pretty sick. Yeah, it seems like it would be. Well, you just said that like somebody just like, I, I went to the competition. It was really well, Yeah, I mean, it's it's... I don't know. I've seen decent skateboarding from time to time in my lifetime and the boom boom huck jam was pretty sick as advertised <laughs> yeah yeah boom I mean, boom huck jam I, I mean, look, in between all those words yeah it happened i mean indoor motocross you can't go wrong with that and i don't know maybe it was maybe it was a little too much maybe it was maybe little... i'm just a minneapolis uh a minneapolis person where i did see supercross in the metrodome the late great metrodome God, that's loud as fuck. It's terrible, but it's pretty sick too. Because they get in the air, like we were in the cheap seats. They get in the air and it's all slow mo, and those dudes are flying. Yeah, dude, gotta be sick to fucking launch like a fifty foot air. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm not. I'm. It is amazing. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we should probably be, be shouting out Bob Brinkist a little bit more, but you know, that's a whole other he's conversation, right? Yeah, he's a, he's in a league all his own, like post first. Every every now and then, you know the the online or the online clips, the Instagram clip posters decide like we're gonna revisit Bob Burnquist, and you're like he fucked up the game, and he's wonky looking, and in a way, as a street skater, I'm like the thought crossed my mind. He wore too many pads, and mm-hmm. they were all warranted. But Jimmy Wilkins looks better than all these dudes, and that's probably the most simple explanation for why we're talking about him on this podcast. As That's what matters. He got yep. the swag. He got the juice. Like he's like vert skating is his. You, you opened up the, the, the topic by saying swag. How many times? <laughs> I don't know. Swag city, swag city. I was probably five times. Yeah. No but yeah, it's swag. He looks amazing on a skateboard and he looks amazing skating vert. So you're well, right. That's how you, it's like, okay, I can drop in on a vert ramp and what do I want to do? The backside air, and I'm also seven inches taller. Ooh, that looks great. Yeah, yeah that was weird. Is is the height <laughs> thing? Is is the height thing? It's like you have to be almost like the right height. Like for example, for some sports, it's just like you know, if you're too tall, like you know, you end up like Anthony Davis, and you're always getting hurt. But you know, then people will complain like, are you too short? Like skateboard skating is weird. Like you kind of want to be a bit shorter for street skating, but then it's like you want to be tall, but not too gangly to skate vert. I don't know. I mean, it's for everybody, but. It seems like for some people, there's something about the way that they can control their body and move their body, you know, move their body. It just works. I don't know. Like he's, maybe there's something just like appealing about the way he moves that, uh, that's cool too. It's like, I, it's, a, it's a confluence. I fully think there's something cool about the way he moves. I mean, it's like, who are some of the greatest vert skaters that are still doing it and still like inventing new tricks? Birdman, Bucky Lasik. Nobody's calling them style kings. And I don't think I'm dissing them. By saying that, they're breaking new ground. Like, I mean, Birdman was doing it up until the femur, and I'll be doing it again after. Lasik's almost 50, and he's going to be doing, I don't know, incredibly esoteric switch tricks that nobody's ever done forever. And then there's the guy who's just blasting a backside ollie with no grab, 12 feet out, or 6 feet out, but 12 feet traveling. And you're like, yep, I want to do that. Exactly. Dope. This week, friend of the show, Ian Browning, interviewed Jerry Sue for Village Psychic's Rules of Skateboarding series. In the article, Jerry talks about brand building with sci-fi fantasy and backing into board making. Mike, is this the new business model? 
what are we going to call it? Like a semi-organic growth, but also backed by some clout, a.k.a. Jerry Sue. I don't use the word legendary at all because I don't think it is ever used very well. But he's, he's kind of legendary as a pro. He's very good. He's done a lot. Like, okay, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you just kind of accidentally do something, but you have the clout to make it happen and make it cool. Could be a new business model, but I don't know if it's for everyone. Yeah, I guess I, I I do think he did something very good because it's difficult for pros to just like, you know, dip from somewhere and then make their own brand and make it succeed. We've seen it time and time before. Maybe we'll get into it a little bit later here. I don't think anybody else. No, scratch that. I don't think many other people can match his business model. And I think he has like the gravitas as jerry sue pro skater to make it happen could see it working out that way though templeton like what other brands come to mind when it's like what else happened this way uh well there's hardy's which is like rumored to be you know becoming a board company maybe or that's kind of like my prediction shorties is probably the most uh the earliest maybe the earliest i can think of of a you know an accessory company becoming a board company but I, I think maybe it's like, like the boards kind of legitimize it and make it core and make it, um, yeah, it just makes it core instead of like a, a little side project, which I think sci-fi fantasy felt like a little side project for a really long time, maybe until Ryan Lay got on. So Patrick, do you, you think that's, is that like a correct assessment of sci-fi? Yeah, it is like once you had Aaron and Ryan Lay in the mix, it felt kind of like, um, oh, it's like it's Pinocchio. It's a real boy. And Jerry was, shout out to Ian for doing such a wonderful interview and to Jerry for really pulling back the curtain and talking about challenge of making the decision about where his career was going to go. He talks about depression. He talks about his wife talking about, you can't just keep hanging around the house, moping about what's going to happen next. So it, it reveals to us that, yeah, Jerry was maybe, you know, kind of wandering a little bit and sort of trying to determine what was going to happen next because you know, it's like Sisyphus, right? You know, he knows how hard it is to roll that boulder up the hill. And maybe that's part of the reason why he resisted. That's why he resisted making sci-fi into a brand, like a, a, a real deal Holyfield brand off the top. Because he's like, saw it with enjoy. Do I really want to put in all of this effort to create ugh, another skateboard company by another pro? I, you know, there's I, I think there's an element of self-consciousness there. And there is also... A healthy dose of um, of real talk, you know. Why should we care if Jerry Sue starts another brand? There's plenty of pros who have, you know, wound down their career or quit a company to go start something, and it's whack. You know, <laughs> that's a legitimate fear to have. You don't want to put out something that people would just be like, "Miss me with that." That that that's a nightmare in skateboarding. You know, to have all of this clout to to assemble all of this good feeling and be able to to create such great uh, something great, a, a great you know, great history with skateboarding and then they just toss it in the garbage by starting a brand that nobody is interested in, that no shops will take. Oh goodness. I mean, there's two, yeah, you can really, you can really sully your legacy with, with like a misstep like that. Oh, sully. I mean, here's the thing. When you sully something, that means, you know, you're soiling, you're making it dirty. You can clean that. Uh, for some skaters, like it's completely destroyed their legacy, you know, whack company. I mean, this happened a lot in the nineties, my goodness, but at least there was an excuse. Everybody was, Everybody was trying to start a company and, you know, skateboarding was growing again. Now, you'd like, I'd like to think that people know better, but now a lot of folks keep making the same mistake. I mean, what do you all think? Like, do you think Jerry made the right move by taking a gradual approach to starting a company and doing it at his own, at his own pace and making sure that he didn't put out something that we weren't interested in? I mean, it seems from Ian's story, you know, from the interview, like it was organic, a little accidental. But I do. I mean, I remember seeing the stuff and being like, "Oh, Jerry Sue's making some hats. Okay, those aren't whack. Cool. All right. Oh, sci-fi, fantasy hoodie in the shop. I don't need a hoodie, but I kind of want this hoodie. It's not overpriced, and it seems well done. Like, there's definitely been pros now, canceled pros even who are like selling hoodies, and I'm looking at them in the shop. I'm like, this is bullshit." Like this is this is not worth the eighty dollars this dude's trying to trying to trying to pull, and so 
yeah, I feel there was kind of a natural progression to it. And even with like Ryan Lay, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, a couple months ago now, am I remembering right? Dog, that might have been last year. <laughs> who, who knows? Yeah, but like, you know, you 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 put on a cool brainy pro and the pro models cool and it's interesting that like sci-fi doesn't have necessarily a defined look of any well it it doesn't have a defined look of anything but it's got a lane or at least a set like kind of a motif what is that word right what is that lane then how how would you define it to people like what's this sci-fi thing i don't get it i mean maybe we should uh you know ask jerry sue but it's it's kind of minimal it's just clean and it's not complicated i don't know it's like a it's like a cool bookshop or something. Hmm. I like that. I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Jerry Sue, and actually, he gave me. Um, I met him a, a handful of times, but many years ago, uh, right before I moved here, uh, I ran into him at the Cha Cha Lounge. It's over in Silver Lake here in LA, and I asked him straight up. I was like, "Yeah, I'm thinking about moving here. Blah blah blah. Like, what's the thing you like about it? What made you move down to to Los Angeles?" And it was interesting. I, you know, here we are, like quite late at night, and the, I, maybe he was. I've been surprised to have such a thoughtful and sincere question, but he said, you know, the thing I like about it here is that you can drive 20 minutes in any direction, you can see something, comp- and that was it for me. That That's one of many things that sold me, and I, I guess I really appreciate that, and, you know, I like his photography, I like his, his creativity. I also like the fact that he is a wild man. Have you, was it uh, that Thrasher series, uh, People I've Known, People I've Met? Mm-hmm. People it, I've Known. This was great, yeah. Yo! <laughs> You know, uh, you know, he always pops up in epically later as the voice of reason, the spanky one, uh, the first one uh, comes to, mind. and yet the story about the fire extinguisher. <laughs> oh, he's wow, yeah. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm back to this. And Ian asked him about when Kim Kardashian was rocking the sci-fi hat, and what's interesting is that really could have blown up in Jerry's face. That could have gone down very badly. Like, what happens when the wrong celebrity? or influencer is wearing your hat or is wearing a piece of your clothing. What, what do you do then? Like for like, what's a, who would be the worst person for somebody to be rocking the sci-fi? I don't know. I mean, it like, you know, you can't choose your fans to a certain extent. You can't really choose who buys your stuff. And I, I know like it's, it's weird seeing like Justin Bieber or like Lil Wayne wearing skate brands. But I think that, I don't think that's hurt any of those brands probably helped them like, get a few normie bucks um but yeah i, I think maybe if like there was somebody like i don't know somebody canceled it just universally sucks wearing your stuff that would be a bummer but um yeah I, I was thinking about the kim kardashian thing and i was like it's probably a good thing that he was sold out of those hats and you know that didn't end up being like a brand diluting moment oh yeah it, it definitely could have gone left very very quickly mike what about you who do you think is uh let's say you're running a cool brand um who wouldn't you want rocking your shit <laughs> i mean i'm 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 as uninclined to name names as templeton is but like the kim kardashian thing it mattered that it was jerry sue's company that she was wearing because there's just this grand irony with it all where i don't know you think of that bag of suck video part that's so i don't know kind of weirdly intimate gnarly magnum opus all sorts of shit like i don't know i i think it's more you know who's whose brand is it and then who's the shitty celebrity that's wearing it because like ryan sheckler's brand all due respect to shecks like his brand being worn by kim kardashian is going to come off completely different than jerry's brand like for some reason it was just like whoa that's wild and i kind of like sci-fi fantasy okay cool you know it's like it, 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 and I think Jerry Sue treated it well in in the Village Psychic piece, where he was just kind of like, "Well, you can't control that," so that was kind of weird. Yeah, and that's just, the, that's the end of the story. Yeah, it's just part of this. It's part of the spectacle. He seems to understand where where he falls in it. I guess it would just be interesting. Just well, I mean, we've been seeing it. I mean, skateboarding. The the thing is, celebrities and all kinds of whack people out there uh, who are famous for being famous or or famous for being rich. They love skateboarding because, I mean, skateboarding just is. You can't change it, you know? People have tried. People have tried to sell it out. And, and yet it keeps coming back. as just, it's its own thing. 
it's really its own thing. The, the only people who seem to understand skateboarding are models. And I, I, I like that. <laughs> I don't know why. It's because we're, we're both about uh, youth and using our bodies. You know, it's That's the parallel. That, maybe that would be like the ultimate podcast. Get uh, a bunch of great skaters from the 90s and then all the supermodels. So like Christy Turlington, Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, and just like see what happens. It could be great or it could be a total disaster. Okay, random tangent, but we're, and this is, this is all men, or it's all male, like, yeah, skaters, sponsored skaters in the 90s were, like, by and large, all dudes. Were skaters better looking back in the day, by and large? Define better looking. More handsome. More, hmm. I feel like. Sponsored skaters, sponsored skaters, pro skaters. So we're talking the actual physical appearance. I feel like. like Facial features and shit. I mean, I this like is maybe nostalgia glasses. Everything was doper back in the day. Templeton, sorry. <laughs> All good. I think that skaters were younger back in the day and there were less old people involved. You know, like we weren't seeing Lance Mountain in the mags in 95. And I don't know who, like, how old is Eric Costin? Like, he would have been long disappeared by this point, you know? Like, so there was just the young, hot skaters, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm just thinking of like handsome ass Peter BC or something. Oh, I don't know. oh Peter BC. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There was, uh, I mean, hey, what about the, before there was Team Handsome? There was the beautiful men's club, RIP Tim Brosh. There was that whole crew up in San Jose. Like, I think it was like kind of a, a bit of an in joke, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I think we're a pretty handsome podcast, you know? <laughs> I, I wouldn't claim that <laughs> personally. <laughs> But uh, I think we all clean up. We'll the, we are a podcast where people can't see us uh, <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, then back to the. There's a great question that's here in the show notes, and I kind of want to just open it up. Sorry if I'm stealing it from somebody, but if you had to run a brand, if you were going to start something brand new, how would you do it? How would either of you start a skate company? My real answer is I wouldn't. Why? I don't, I don't want to be in charge of something like that. Or maybe I do, but I guess I've never, I, I'm, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in talking about it more than being involved in that. I mean, my, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can't get past the idea of like, yeah, I just do girl from 1997, do the chairboards, but in a hundred iterations, you know, it's like, I don't have that type. I don't have that type of creativity in my, in my brain. I think it would be super fun to run a skate brand. Like I, I work in marketing, so I, I kind of like think about running brands and like how the brand that I work for is run and stuff. And, you know, certainly there's things I'd like to do differently. Uh, and it'd be, I think it'd be cool to run a skate brand and like be able to do things the way I want. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I have any like groundbreaking, you know, new business model that I would want to pursue. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. How about you, Patrick? I mean, uh, I'm the one that proposed this question in the in the uh, in the show notes, but I don't I don't really have a satisfactory answer for it. I, I'm of two minds. So there's one part of me that would think that thinks that it would be cool to run a skate brand the way that Rough Trade Records was run from I think 1976 to about '86. Uh, you run it as a co-op, equal pay, and try to make it as democratic as possible, but leaving some space for executive override but you know really trying to make something that feels like a a true reflection of everybody in it that being said skaters like most people are impossible um and it's basically i mean it feels unfair to say herding cats because at least with a cat you can just pick it up um we've heard all sorts of nightmare stories about running skate brands and the funny thing is skateboarding is just filled with examples of what not to do so there's part of me that's leaning also towards doing the opposite. If we're talking a dream situation, Alex Olson calls me up and just says, yo, PK, I'd be like, what's good, Alex? Uh, we should hang out and listen to some records. I'm like, all right, bet. You know, he comes over here, you know, we put on some uh, Larry LeVan, and he's just like, yo, I want to give you 49, like, I'll give you a 49% stake in 917. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going to turn that company around, put it back on S tier status, no problem. You know, it's like basically something really hard like that. I would I would be stoked to see you at the helm of 917 and return it to its former glory. Alex, if, if the check is right, if the check is right, yo, call me. Honestly, look, I paid off my student loans last year. Thank goodness. <laughs> I, I, 
may I may I just add like yes. I'd written down legacy pros who you know jump ship numbers business and company is that still a thing 3d skateboards that seem to have a lot of potential 917 itself like I'm gonna read directly from my notes shit ain't easy and so yeah I'll do to Jerry Sue I'll, I'll say this before we make the leap to the end of our show I think it could happen I think the challenge is making a business plan, sticking with it, and also trying to navigate what's cool, what's not cool. But the thing is, like, 917, Bianca Shandone still has that fashion ca- cachet. I know people in the fashion game. Alex really knows people in the fashion game. All you got to do is just finesse it just right. And also make it your primary focus. I think maybe that's the other thing. And, and I would end with this. It can't just be a side joint. It basically has to be... You know, that it has to be your main thing, your primary focus. I'm sure my wife would never allow it. But then again, if I could come up with the right business plan and people were down with the vision, yo, you know, Mercedes Benz is for everybody. Love it. We'd all be stoked on that. Which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? So I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels. Just set up a fresh one uh, with those, uh, those Venture Raws. Um, very, very excited. It's summertime. I'm about about it. There is a new Parisian edit. I believe it's Supreme Adjacent. It is called Sensible, which is French for sensitive. Come for the new Vincent Tuzari footy. Stay for the illegal tricks and the whack-ass true religion jeans. There are some awful fits in this joint. <laughs> uh, speaking of France, I've uh, been digging back into the Big Spin podcast. Shout out to those guys. And uh, I'm very stoked on three-day weekends because I had one last weekend for Juneteenth. I got one this coming weekend because I'm going to a wedding on Sunday. And then 4th of July. Bonk. Mike, what you stoked on? I'm stoked on biking up hills, my camping hammock. Odd thing in Minnesota, I, I was originally from Minnesota, or excuse me, I was originally from Arizona by way of Montana, but that's getting too deep in the story. Moved to Minnesota and people up here sometimes call them hammock, not a hammock. Chew on that. And then I'm also stoked on the long form podcast this week. Uh, it's an episode with Alexandra Lang about her book, Meet Me by the Fountain, an inside history of the mall. It's an interesting interview that is both skater and journalism interests adjacent. So uh, check that out if you're into architecture uses of spaces, etc. I think you might be if you're listening to this podcast. Templeton, what are you stoked on? I am stoked on the Apple TV series Severance. Uh, binged it in about a week. Uh, definitely worth the $4.99 price of admission for Apple TV. You can just, you know, get it for a month and then cancel if you want. Highly recommend Severance. Have you guys watched it? No, not yet. I'll have to keep it. Yeah, it's very good. And that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talk about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Mike, where can the people find you? Same handle on Instagram and Twitter at M Munzenrider. Patrick, where are you found on Bobby Digital's internet? Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Digi, digi, digi. You can find me at Colonel K Speaks on Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram at P Kigongo. And also doing stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation, by the way. It's Harold Hunter weekend this weekend in New York. Get out if you can. Drop a link in the show notes. Templeton, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We will see you guys next week. Except not me, I won't be here. Bong bong.